Welcome, everybody, to the very first episode of The Postcast. We workshopped that title all evening this evening, and I think this one is going to stick, The Postcast. Uh, I'm going to be your host for this episode, uh, Kevin Wallace uh, from The Post Cincy. And joining me, I've got two of The Post's contributors. We have the chief war pig himself. Say hello. Hello. Wow, he has a voice. He's real. And also joining us is Grayson Chalmers. Grayson, great to have you here, buddy. It's great to be here. I feel like a dog that's been given the power of speech. Um, it just feels good to to use it, but the the quality is is just not going to be. The, there. the thing is, is I've been I've been told that I, I I write too much in my columns. So when I'm offered the opportunity to actually talk, I probably need to be a little more little brevity in the use of my actual speaking voice, but it's also good to be here. Thank you. <laughs> good. Yeah, I mean, it's weird being here with two, um, I'll say, internet personalities, I guess. I don't know. I'm the only one out here putting my real name on this, so, you know, let's keep those uh, hot takes, you know, to uh, uncancelable levels. That'd be great since uh, I'm, the, I'm the one putting my name on this. <laughs> to be clear, if you look at my driver's license, it does say Chief Warpig. I get a lot of looks whenever I get pulled over. Um <laughs> For driving excessive speeds around town. If you go to the Electronic Freedom Foundation, um, you'll see that the that one of the foundational freedoms uh, is the freedom to speak anonymously. And I would go so far to say is you cannot trust people who use their real name on Twitter because they are self censoring, and we don't do that here. No, That's not at all. That's a great point. I uh, I have an opinion on that, but since my real name is on that, I'm going to pass over it um guys we've got uh an fc cincinnati season approaching us in just a couple of days holy shit like i I said this on klr like i haven't even had chance to uh to sort of process uh what is is going to to happen to us this season but um i say the the first thing that jumped out at me and i know you guys each have opinions on this is the uh the chris albright inquire interview we are not punting on the season. Uh, Chief, does it fill you with confidence that the GM is already entertaining the conversation of punting on the season? I, I appreciated from the outset that he was committed to the football metaphor since part of the reason why it doesn't feel like the season should be starting right now is that we've all been focused on on who day culture. I, I shudder to think what this city would have been like if we'd had nothing over the past two months to focus on other than the fact that the impending doom of another FC Cincinnati season. But um, it, it, it certainly was a weird take to hear from Albright. Like, I, I think the assumption should always be we're not punting on a season. That's like a baseline thing. That's like, do you intend to wake up and breathe today? Do you intend to, you know, grab a bite to eat at some point? Like, nobody says, yeah, I'm going to do that because we're just assuming that that's part of the deal. Like, by saying that we're not punting on the season, that makes me think, well, wait, what, what the fuck? Were, were you thinking about punting? W- was that like a thought that you had in your head and you were like, no, 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 not for me this year. No, we're going to – we'll go for it on fourth down before the opportunity presents itself. I, I just – I don't know. It, it was – I liked the football aspect of it, but everything else about it was like this strikes me as a little tone deaf when the, se- the city's already gone through three horrid seasons of soccer. Like I kind of want a little more of a run through a brick wall thing than – Take it from us. We're not punting this year. I don't know. Was that just me? I was gonna. I was just gonna say. I think. I think context is important here. 
Um, I think this was just a little after the Charlotte FC coach came out and said they were jodido, um, which the American English language media uh, decided to translate as screwed. Um, so, so Albright then comes out and he says, but we are not screwed. And I got to say that, that fills me. Wasn't with it awesome for a change to not be the team that, de- <laughs> that had the manager from another country that was sticking his foot in his fucking mouth. That was like, like you could totally like that quote verbatim. You could hear that coming out of Yapstam's mouth. If like he'd ever bothered to speak to the media for more than like a sentence, like, it was nice finally that like we could sit and point and laugh at some other teams like those guys are fucked up over there like they have some problems finally all it took was another expansion team being added to the east to us to sort of like finally have someone we could point and laugh at but it felt really good to not be that team for a change yeah i mean they they pretty much got their uh, Jared Nykamp five windows comment out of the way right out of the gate and uh, a comment I've definitely seen online, and it resonates every time Charlotte pops up in the news, is that they really are attempting the FCC speed run here of just mass acquiring international slots, signing way too many international players that have never played together, uh, an international coach who's unfamiliar with the league and is woefully unprepared. They've got a uh, a stadium that is not designed for soccer from the outset. I mean... They're, they're very quickly running through that. And then, I mean, I don't know if FC Cincinnati fans are, are the model to, to build your, your franchise on, but Charlotte's got their, their astroturfing campaigns going where if you open up a checking account, you, you become a supporter member or something, um, or you got a ticket or got a bank account for being a supporter member. Very weird things going on in Charlotte. And, yeah, absolutely. It feels good to not be the instant punching bag laughing stock of the league right now because it, it's it, am i wrong or am i like it's fun to root for them to fail like i i really do i don't wish ill on anyone in life but like in terms of a sports franchise like nashville being good was devastating like that hurt me in my soul that nashville didn't suck because like i or even austin austin i i i think they were okay like aggressively mediocre but, like, I really, really do need Charlotte to be terrible to sort of justify all the time I've spent with FC Cincinnati the last three years. Like, I need someone else to feel that. I, I, I don't want to be alone in that feeling any longer. I, I worry, though, that it's going to work out for them. I, that, is, that is, like, the fear that I have. I feel like egging charlotte on and saying okay do all the stuff that we did get 25 international slots um hire foreign gm and 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 coach um it feels a little bit to me and maybe this is just my pessimism because i always think that stuff's gonna work out for other people but it feels like it feels like hillary kind of egging on trump to run in 2016 and you know you see you just see how befuddled all the other candidates were they were like you know we were saying crazy stuff and harassing women all this time and it and we got dinged for it and he just gets stronger and i worry that charlotte you know they got a couple deep dp slots open i think they got all this they got all this expansion game they've been racking up international slots like um like poker chips and and but but wouldn't it be the most FC Cincinnati thing of all time if they follow our plan to the T and they win 
And it's like... That's like, what I'm saying, like, man. I, I guess in some way that should be the expected outcome here because, of course, that would be the funniest thing that could possibly happen. Like, the only thing that would make this funnier is if somehow, like, Adi rode into town in the back of a cop car and, like, stumbled out with, like, three empties falling out behind him. He's like, I'm here to score goals. Let's do this. And, and I always does. bet on the funniest possible outcome. Yes. yes. Um, I mean, what kills me is uh, their manager, I mean, as brutally honest as he was, um, is like one of the hot young coaching prospects out of South America and is known for being incredibly innovative and adaptive. Um, and yeah, he's complaining about the roster. It's it's probably some office politics to try to bring in a couple of guys he's asked them to bring in. Um, but I do think, at least on paper, he's a far better manager than Stom or Koch were. And that will probably take you pretty far so i think tactical i think tactical flexibility is so important in mls and having a guy with a reputation of you know winning with winning with less um overachieving is you know that, that that's promising although i just want to call attention to one thing if you if you go to um christian fuchs's instagram he has a picture of of, of himself with um uh, another player that they ended up not signing, mm. and Fuchs looks like he was stung by a bee and is allergic. <laughs> and and I just I just wanted everyone to know. Speaking of that. their like social media, wasn't there supposed to be some sort of a contest they were running where it was like they were going to do a reality show in Charlotte to sign a player? Like it was going to be some screwed up bachelor thing where they were going to have like thirty people try out, and the last person was going to get the I don't know what's what's league minimum in MLS like two fifty an hour. Like somebody was going to get twelve bucks an hour to be at play. Well, how do you how do you do it by? Hour? I don't know. I, they're on the I team ass, the whole. I time assume this league day. this You're league is so team. stupid. I'm assuming that like the league minimum salary is done hourly, and that like you have to I, I think, you get time and a half if practice goes long. Like, I think league minimum is like sixty sixty five. Okay, a year so like or seventy thousand so, dollars a year. It's like starting salary at eighty. But right, so if you're over twenty five years old, so that is a key number there. I think if you're under twenty five, that minimum quickly drops to like thirty five or forty thousand. Like it wouldn't shock me if like the yeah, if, the, if the under twenty two salary slots in MLS that they have to trade time off and shifts with other people in order to like get PTO. Like there's something stupid like that in this league. Back to the original point we were making about about punting. So I, I've been squatting on a take for a while, and it's kind of dated now with the signing of Moreno. But I did have a take that Albright was holding back on any major signings because he knows that the second that you start spending big money, that's when the target gets put on your back. That like I've, I've been thinking about this as a postmortem since Nightcamp got launched, and that I bet Nightcamp could have stayed here another year. If he just hadn't told Carl to break the bank open for Brenner and Kubo and Lacadia, and if he just would have said, no, we have to commit to doing things small, doing things the right way, it was only when he started spending real money that all of a sudden Carl Linder looked down from high atop Mount Great American and said, you know what, this is kind of fucked up, what's going on with my soccer team. I see a lot of money going out, and I don't see a lot of money coming in or a lot of wins coming in. And I, I do wonder a little bit if part of the Albright plan is we're going to wait some contracts out and wait until those people leave before I start spending more money. Because the instant I start spending money, 
then all of a sudden expectations attached to this team. Like if they go out right now and they fill that last DP spot and they buy Kubo down, then all of a sudden does ownership look at that and say, oh, he thinks we can win right now. I, I, I don't know. But like from the outside looking in, the Moreno signing kind of complicates that a little bit because it does sound like they're going to be spending a little bit of money on him. He's certainly not a, a high-TAM player, or God help us if he's a high-TAM player. <laughs> but I, 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 it's just... He would be under Night Camp. Oh, Night Camp would have given this guy, he would have given this guy like a, a deed to the stadium. This guy would have been a $2 million <laughs> player under Night Camp. Because that guy... That, he would have gotten Jeff's stake in the team. Right. With Moreno signing, it, it changes a little, but I, I do kind of wonder if Albright intuitively realizes that he's going to be, to speak of speed running, he'd be speed running his term in FC Cincinnati a little bit if he starts spending a lot of money and not seeing results for that spending. So do you think waiting out contracts like Cruz, like Kubo, do you consider that punting? If you do sign, say, Joe Corona-type MLS vets for average to even below average salaries, and you're still putting together a better roster than you did last year? I don't know. I mean, like, this is – I've had this take for a while, and it it's kind of ties into another sport, why baseball is about to, you know, have a season games delayed and, you know, games being canceled at the start of the year. And that's that if you – so, like, they didn't have a six forever on this team. We didn't have a six last year. Up until Moreno signed, we didn't have a six this year. To me, there are, like, 70,000 professional soccer players in this world. If you are waiting for the perfect number six, I get that. But – in the interim, go find someone that'll come here on a six-month deal or a year-long deal or on a loan deal just so that you're not playing people out of position. Like, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. And to a certain extent, like, go get someone that fills the roster. Like, it was infuriating last year under Nykamp where they just adamantly refused to sign people to fill certain roles. Like, I guarantee you there's someone in USL that could have filled the defensive mid-role so that Kubo could do what he was paid for. And I, it, it, until this Moreno signing, it felt like we were just redoing that this year where, okay, we're just not going to sign someone to fill this role because the perfect unicorn player doesn't exist. And it's like, yeah, but I want to, I want a watchable product now. Like I've suffered through three years of a horse shit product. Make it watchable, Matt, now. Make it not suck now. And there's ways to do that with the number of players that you should be able to do that without hamstringing yourself long term as you wait these contracts to come out. But I don't know if Moreno changes that strategy, um, but it, it sort of felt like we were, again, going to fall into that trap of, we haven't found our guy, so the answer is going to be no guy. It would be like, I think I wrote on the post this week, it would be like, if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can't find a replacement for Tom Brady, they just say, well, guess we won't sign a quarterback this year. I hope Mike Evans has a good deep ball. Like, that doesn't make any sense. You're making one area of the team weak to fill a hole that you could just sign someone else to do. And I'm glad we're not doing that all the way, but it does sort of feel like Albright is is certainly comfortable taking his time with a lot of this stuff. So I, I have like two, I have a lot of thoughts on that, but I have, I guess two kind of key thoughts is one, it I don't know what happened behind the scenes with Nightcamp, but it certainly felt like he got a little carried away by having a bigger budget than he had previously. So he saw players out there like Jurgen Lakadia, like Yuya Kubo, like Sim De Jong, that he maybe was never in play for before and he got excited that he could sign them. 
and then and then it was either haphazard or just an idea that you know I'll bring in the right coach and he'll figure it out on the back end how they all fit together. Um, so there what it didn't it just didn't feel like there was thought given to picking guys for specific spots, and based on what we've heard, which which isn't a ton from Albright since he was hired, it felt like he was looking for uh, depth kind of guys looking to build foundational pieces, uh, just kind of MLS guys who can fill a role. And uh, Moreno, I think, fits in that mold. And if that's the, if that's the idea and you want to be really picky with your DPs, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. But like getting like Moreno and potentially Corona in the team and confirmed, you know, in the next week or two would be really nice in the meantime. Yeah, it does look like Albright's main goal was to shore up the 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 second team basically and not the two team. I mean, essentially every single player behind the starters. Um there haven't been too many proper out and out starters signed outside of you know, if you think Gaddis or Powell will start as the right back, um, and is that it? Like, I don't expect Dom Baji to be the starter. I assume he'll be the super sub for Vasquez and Brenner. Um, Moreno, at this point, probably would be the one starter signed. Um, and I guess Khan, but I mean, Alec yeah, Khan. Yeah, you yeah. had to sign a goalkeeper there. So you're looking at just signing two starters. But wasn't that like wasn't this the downfall of of the Nightcamp era of FC Cincinnati? Was just this fundamental misunderstanding of him and Yap that in MLS there is absolutely no way to scheme around the fact that someone making a hundred thousand dollars is going to have to touch the ball every so often. That yep. like in order to build a successful roster in MLS with depth, where you can actually use substitutions, which I know that that was a fucking shock to Yap that you could actually take players off the field and put flesh players onto the field, but that if you're going to do that, eventually a guy who would be considered a bum in just about any other professional top-tier league in the world, eventually that guy is going to play minutes, and he has to be able to meaningfully contribute, or at the very least not you know crap down his own leg as soon as the ball goes to him. And we never focused on finding people like that. Like We were really good at finding lottery tickets. We were really good at finding people where it's like, well, if everything goes well, this guy could be something. But what was missing from this team forever were the guys like Moreno, like Gaddis, where are just guys who have been around this league that have a proven skill set and a proven track record in this league. And if they have to play minutes, they are not going to embarrass themselves and crush the, the team with their inability to do basic things required to win a soccer game. This is kind of a meme, but I would suggest that Getting a six and then putting Kubo in a more forward position, putting Cruz in a position that kind of, kind of suits his talents, that's three new starters. Basically. I mean, for me, Kubo to defensive midfield is one of the most egregious things that anybody has attempted in Cincinnati sports, at least in, in terms of on-the-field strategy and, and concept around building a team. Like you, can, you, can you imagine if the Reds had tried this? That like, Can you imagine if the Reds had, hey, we've got big news. We're about to open our new ballpark. We've signed a huge star. We're paying him tons of money. Please welcome Ken Griffey Jr. 
one of the most prolific home run hitters of the 1990s. He's coming here to be our closer. It's like, what? (laughs) He's got a hell of an arm. He played center field, but that's not what you paid him to do. That's not what he does best. Why in God's name would you try that? Uh, the the analogy I gave to people was um, before this season, if I could guarantee you Joe Burrow would be a top five tight end in the NFL, would you convert him to tight end? And that's that's what we did to Kubo. It was like, cool, he's a serviceable midfielder, you know, or even a top fifteen tight end, whatever you want to think about. But like, he's a serviceable midfielder. But he was a fairly prolific goal scorer in Europe in comparable leagues to MLS. I don't know how how you want to view the Swiss leagues and and Belgian leagues, but he made whatever it was a handful of appearances for the Japanese national team off of that. Like, yeah, it's just wild to me that we wouldn't put a guy with a rocket for a foot. Like when he rips outside of the box shots, it's incredible. Um, we just never really put him in a position to do that. So yeah, uh, Grayson, absolutely to your point, um, moving Kubo just even slightly up the field is is definitely going to feel like a, a new signing. Um, in terms of the punting article, I, I think we've hashed this all out. All right. Well, the main topic of the podcast today and and something that we're going to try to do weekly on these deep dives, we'll sort of pick one topic, one subject and and go a little deeper, uh, a little divier uh, into is the season preview. Why not keep it a little general to start us off? Um, We've got five points that we're going to run through each. Uh, We've got reasons for optimism, reasons for pessimism, uh, player to watch, player on the hot seat and one bold prediction. Uh, start with you, Grayson. What is your reason for optimism on this season? I got three reasons for optimism. Uh, Sh- Charlotte FC, Club de, Club de Foot de Montreal, and uh, DC United. Uh, that's three, three very good things to be, uh, to be optimistic three, three about. Three teams that I think, three teams that I think we would beat straight up, even if Yopstam was still the coach. Ooh, that's bold. Uh, today, based on, based on current rosters. And isn't that all we're asking for this year? It's just like, just don't finish in last place. Like, I remember last year, I talked myself, my dumb brain, into thinking, oh, we're going to compete for a playoff spot. Like, I was actually, I was DMing with USL memes from down in Louisville, that old, our old friend down there. And he was saying, like, hey, you guys need to win this year. You're in danger of killing the territory. Like, everyone's going to, you know, jump off the FCC bandwagon if we don't get a winning season here soon. I was like, no, you don't understand. We got Brenner. We got Locadia. We got Kubo. We're turning this around. We're going to score goals. I said with a straight face to this dude that, oh, I think we're going to we're going to play a lot of shootouts. We might lose some four three games, but like we're going to score goals. It's going to be great. And boy, was that wrong. <laughs> we lost a, lost a couple four three games, right? We lost. We did, but they weren't fun. <laughs> no, no, th- it was the opposite of fun. Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that is one thing. Like, in MLS, as the league is improving, um, 
there was a great meme on this on Reddit. Is like it's very exciting to see your team getting better, and then just quickly glancing around the league and seeing everybody is getting better, and that there's so much more money in this league than before, and you're starting to see more and more players that you've heard of that aren't entirely past their peak showing up in the league. Um, it is a little frustrating uh, when that happens, but absolutely, I think. Uh, those three teams in particular stood out to me. I think New York Red Bulls, I mean, they have a fantastic system. They they always do better than you think they would, but man, they look rough. They just have not invested in that team. They lost six to one to LA Galaxy, I think, in a in a preseason friendly with um take this with a grain of salt, but with what Matt Doyle said was very close to their starting lineup. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> like that's just that's not gonna cut it. Um Atlanta, at least we forget. I mean, they've obviously reloaded with whatever they've got now, seven DPs on their shadow roster there, but um, they didn't have a fantastic season last year. Um, so we'll, we'll see if their manager is able to, to keep that going. Chief, what is your reason for optimism this season? Well, I have, I have two. I'm not like an overachiever like Grayson coming with three, but um, – <laughs> My number one reason for optimism, we touched on this a little bit uh, in the last segment, and that's that for, for this year, no one's being asked to play out of position. I mean, we went into the season last year with multiple players being asked to do things that they had never done before in their career. We were taking one of our highest paid players and playing him in a completely new role because Yop seemed to think, well, he can do it. Well, of course he can. He's ta- Yuyakubo is talented. But this year... It seems like for the first time we have an actual starter for every role that Albright and uh, Noonan intend to use on the field. And like Grayson was saying, there's a trickle-down effect to that. That, okay, because Yuya doesn't have to play as a defensive mid and figure that out, that frees him to do what he does best. So you've improved your defensive mid position, you've improved your wing position, and the the trickle-up effect on this is going to be great. I hope. I don't know. I've... Like I said, I'm frequently wrong about this sort of thing. But the other reason for optimism, and this maybe kind of also ties into what you were just saying, it's hard to ignore that we didn't have any what-the-fuck results in the preseason. Like, I think last year we lost to a team where Louisville's manager was, like, their equipment manager was playing. And it's like, last year you talked yourself into this idea of, oh, it's the preseason, this doesn't matter. But, like, that was a pretty big fucking red flag last year that we were getting scored on by a guy who washes the kit. Like, Nate from Ted Lasso was scoring on FC Cincinnati last year. Like, that's a problem. And it seems like this year with their preseason games, it seems like they've been okay, that they have, you know, performed okay. They haven't done anything completely weird or had a weird result. So, like, I can't see how you wouldn't feel a little optimistic seeing that. It did sound like that Louisville game might have derailed Ben Lunt's MLS career aspirations there. Um and yeah, absolutely. I think one thing in particular that stood out to me was uh, it was either the player or uh, or one of the players or, or the manager of Nashville said specifically that FC Cincinnati was very difficult to play against. We really disrupted their their uh, their game plan, and that our young players really stepped up and really surprised them. It was like, oh my god, <laughs> this is exactly what I wanted out of the preseason. This is fantastic. Yeah, Nashville's coach said that they were giving the ball away a lot. I think at midfield. And Mm -hmm. that seems to be right in line with the style we've been hearing from Pat Noonan and from people who say, like, this is 
this is the style they're going to play. So I, I was very uh, heartened when I saw that Gary Smith quote that, that we were forcing a lot of turnovers. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, that was that high intensity. We want to play like the U.S. men's national team played against Mexico in TQL. Like that really... That really, that game, I don't know what Albright's plan was before that, but that really does seem to be Albright's uh, new sort of uh, vision for this team is to get the team to play like uh, that one specific game. Um, I say my reason for optimism on the season is uh, is very similar, is uh, we've got a manager that uh, is probably going to have a competent, coherent game plan uh, from start to finish. Uh, and this is something that we really haven't had, I would argue, uh, since John Harks, who also didn't really have an amazing game plan other than to let his players play. Um, but Yop Stom ha- had no clue how to set up a team as far as I can tell there was no obvious attacking patterns of play there was no obvious patterns of play generally on the team and guys were playing out of position which indicated to me that were just asked to be the most talented player on the field and they knew they had to have a defensive midfielder but there wasn't really a a plan or a role for that player um and Alan Koch, I mean, we, we saw his track record. He was outcoached in USL. We, we just happened to out-talent some teams. So, I mean, maybe this is uh, too much praise on a guy who's never had a head coaching job properly himself. But I I have to believe Noonan has a game plan, has, has to, to have some vision for how he wants to execute these games. And that's going to be a huge improvement for us. I will take this. So, like, what's our confidence level or what's our worry level though that like this is noonan's first gig like i i'll be honest i don't have time to go back and look at mls track records for first-time head coaches especially first-time head coaches that were long-time assistants in the league i mean i'd I'd rather that than have some guy come over from europe that doesn't understand that look there is a draconian salary cap structure in this league that and a rule set that feels like it was written by coked out Dungeons and Dragons nerds with fake money and fake inventory slots and God knows what in terms of roster mechanisms. And I mean, that's the downfall. Of most of these knuckleheads that come over from Europe is they just don't understand how to fit all these octagonical pegs into hexagonical holes here in MLS. But by the same token, it's like, I do worry a little bit with Noonan that this is his first time doing this. He's being paired with a first-time GM. I, I Is that a worry we should be having? Because like, I feel like everyone says, oh, this is going to be great. Noonan is here, and he's going to be so much better than what we've had before. I mean, Yap was terrible, and he'd managed before. Uh, this is going to be first Noonan's first time, I think, at any level running his own program. I'm not I'm not worried at all, frankly. Um, and I got a couple of reasons why. Um, after, after we hired Noonan, I did a... Um, I did a search in the Apple Podcasts app, just looking for seeing if he'd given any interviews in various podcasts, and um, I didn't really find much. But I did find a uh, Philly Union fan cast that looked to be like their CST of Philadelphia Union from um, I don't know if it was twenty 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 or twenty twenty one when Noonan interviewed for the DC United job, and uh, they were very concerned that he was going to leave and they described him as the, as the guy who was basically in charge of tactics for, for Jim Curtin. 
Um, so that, that, that made me feel pretty good. And the other piece of it is it feels like, and again, you, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but it feels like they've given him a lot of structure uh, and support with hiring Don, Dom Kinnear, the, I think, I don't know, fifth winningest MLS coach in history as his assistant and bringing in a guy like Kenny Arena, who uh, people within MLS, you know, seem to say a lot of nice things about. Mostly because his old man is, is you know, who he is. I feel like that's just, we're sucking up to the old man a little bit when we say nice things about the kid. I mean, that's... Sure, sure. But, you know, he was he, he was in he was in some good teams. And then uh, I, I watched a, I watched an interview with with Paul Rogers, um, that that he gave at some um, goalkeeper coach uh, meeting recently, and you know he seemed like a he seemed like a good dude. He seemed like he really knew what he was doing. He seemed like a thoughtful guy. Um, I have a lot of confidence in the staff, you know, in general, and I am not so I am not concerned. Um about about noon and just one other piece about the staff i guess is so what from what i've seen it seems like noonan is a tactics guy um and it seems like kinnear is more of a man manager and i think those should fit pretty well you know if you're a man manager coach head coach you want to get a tactics guy as your assistant so i think they they should they should complement each other pretty well um so i'm i'm less concerned about Noonan, who has been an assistant for a number of years, versus uh, a guy like Yap Stam, who, you know, it really seems like he was just handed a hand head coaching job based on his playing career. Yeah, and I'd say another uh, FC Cincinnati manager that was a uh, really good assistant that, that came with some high praise was Yoan uh, DeMay. Uh, but the difference here is Noonan played. So uh, that is one thing DeMay never really had. So, yeah, and I, I was out here clamoring for uh, Dom Kinnear to be our head coach uh, before Albright was hired. So when we bring him in as an assistant, I'm thrilled. This is fine. This is uh, not unlike uh, Wade Phillips being hired by the Rams to give Sean McVay some some veteran guiding hand to make sure he doesn't completely ruin their massive investment. Um, yeah, that that's where my optimism comes from. And if this can be even just an average MLS coaching staff, it will be by far our best coaching staff we've had in six seasons, which is so sad. Uh, such a low bar to clear, but um, it's got it's got to make you a little optimistic for the season. Uh, we'll go to Grayson. What, let's let's bring bring it down a little bit. What what's your reason for pessimism? What what are you worried about this season? Yeah, so my reason for pessimism kind of goes hand in hand with my reason for optimism. Um, you know, Charlotte, you can expect to bring in a couple of DPs. DC has been just amassing a huge, huge stock load of GAM um, that should allow them to bring in players. I worry that the teams that we view as our peers on paper, the, the teams that we think, okay, we can finish ahead of those teams, have a bit more flexibility than we do to bring in difference makers. And... So, but our team, I think our team looks a lot like it's going to look at the end of the season. Um, You're going to see Moreno coming in, potentially like a Corona or Corona type. And then um, 
depending on what the situation is to buy down Kubo, maybe we get a Gruezo or Gruezo type as a as a DP midfielder. And is is that enough to keep pace with the additions other teams are going to make? I I don't know. I mean, the, it's, the team does have the roster flexibility right now to go out and add an impact player. Like I've, like I said earlier, I think they're slow playing it just because they don't really know what they have right now, and they're not going to go and splash cash until they see what this team looks like at the very least. But I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that if this team is teetering on the edge of playoff contention in the summer, that somebody in the C-suite decides we need to pull the trigger and give some meaningful games down the stretch to the city. Like, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility at all when better players come available in the summer window. Yeah, but if Gruezo comes in as a DP, and I'm just saying Gruezo because he's the name that's been that's been mentioned, and based on the salary numbers that have been suggested and based on the price that Augsburg paid for him uh, from, from Dallas, uh, he would have to be a DP. So if he comes in, you have three DPs who can't be bought down, and it really limits what kind of impact player you could add in the summer if you even have a roster spot for that person at that point. I mean... Maybe you maybe you transfer out, you know, Barrial and you bring in another U twenty two. I do agree that we could definitely bring in an impact player. Uh, my just pessimism comes from is the impact player that we can bring in enough to make up for, you know, whoever everybody else brings in, which is likely going to be multiple players for teams like DC and Charlotte. Yeah, I think one thing to keep an eye on is everything I'm seeing from the preseason and as just myself, I'm, I'm building sort of these like faux lineups, just trying to get a sense of how this team's going to come together. Uh, just more and more, I can't find a home for Atanga and Barial. And if they're able to be moved out this summer, that frees up a ton of roster flexibility for FCC and potentially they're traded in the league. Let's assume to a Western Conference team, um, you you could see a, a like for like swap for a, a winger for a central midfielder um, for again like promising South American player who hasn't quite hit their ceiling but maybe could flourish under a new system or a new coach. Um, I don't know. There could be some sneaky amount of flexibility again. You know, if if there's any takers on Atanga and Barial. Um, yeah, uh, Chief, my gosh, <laughs> almost used your, your code name. Uh, what's your reason for pessimism here for this season? Uh, my reason for pessimism is just that we touched on this a little bit earlier, but there are just a lot of bad contracts left on this team. And there are a lot of players who, when you look at them, just don't seem like they're the best fit for what uh, Noonan is looking to do and that they're still here just because they were paid to be here. They're still under contract and we only have one of those. Please get this fucker off my, out of my sight immediately clauses that we already used on Makocho. But like Alan Cruz is just dead weight. It doesn't look like the form he's been in the last two years doesn't fit with what I think Noonan wants to do. And he's playing there primarily because it's just too much money to have on the bench. Um, I think the same is true for Harris Madunian to a certain extent. I know they brought him back, but 
he's just he's his legs are dead. It's not there. I I also think, and I'll, I'll get to him in a second. I don't think that if Albright was building this team from scratch right now, that Brenner would be on this team either. But that's another situation where they paid a ton of money to him and signed a really long contract, and they need him to perform in order to either extract value getting rid of him or to you know score goals for this team. But it just feels like there's a lot of contracts on this team that are going to hold it back from having the flexibility to improve in the summertime and really from doing what I think Albright and Noonan want to do. It's a lot of a lot of waiting to get rid of some of these people, I think, is what we're going to be seeing. Yeah, and it goes back to the punting comments, right? Like, so much of this season really is waiting out some bad contracts, or at least just contracts that maybe you do like you, Yakubo, but you don't you don't like him at that that contract number. You don't you don't like him at right. that current like, salary. Yu Yakubo is the perfect example of this. Where you look at Yu Yakubo, is he a good player? The answer is yes. But like the value of a Yu Yakubo is he does a lot of things well, but isn't great at any one thing. And to me, if you're going to be a DP in this league or you're going to be making on that threshold of DP money, you have to have one unequivocally great skill set that you bring to the team like you've got to be if we're thinking about this like in terms of Madden players you got to have one 99 attribute as a DP and there's value in a Yu Yakubo to any soccer team but I don't know that the value is is a is is comparable to the, the the salary slot he's taking on the team and I think Albright likes him as a player obviously I think I mean Go get it, Yuya, or good job, Yuya. Was like third. Like if that was a drinking game in these behind the scenes videos, you'd be hammered after the first one if you were drinking every time they complimented Yuya. But I, I just don't know that he's a great fit in terms of salary plus talent. If if that makes any sense. Yeah, Grayson, what's what's your thought on on waiting out some contracts here? Um, I I love Yuya Kubo, <laughs> and I love him at any number. Um, I love that the chief brought up Griffey earlier because I was thinking today that watching Yuya Kubo turn with the ball is the most beautiful thing I've seen since Griffey's swing. Um, so I, I th- you can say whatever you want about a guy like Alan Cruz. You can say whatever you want about Kenneth Vermeer. Um, I, think, I think Yuya is a baller and I think he's going to have a big year. And I'm I'm stepping on my next uh, my next talking point. <laughs> well, we'll come back to you in just a second with your uh, Kubo being your player to watch. But I'll, I'll go ahead and throw out my my reason for pessimism. And, and for that one, it's there's been far too much just sort of like hand waving about the defense is good. The defense is fine. Uh, FC Cincinnati's defense has been historically awful in 2019 and in 2021. In 2020, they were, I think we could argue, a below average defense. Uh, the, the team's been terrible. And the only reinforcements we've signed, at least on the, the back line, is we brought Ray Gaddis out of retirement and we've decided to bring back Alvis Powell, who I think we could probably all agree here probably got a raw raw deal the first time around. But it's not like he's an amazing MLS player, an amazing soccer player. 
And then the goalkeeping situation, Alex Kahn is great statistically. He looks good in all the uh, the charts. Uh, but how much of that is just tiny sample sizes? Uh, he just has not been given that number one spot before. Um, I I just feel like just looking over this roster, there's just a lot of a lot of I don't know unearned optimism or confidence about this defense. I got a couple. I got a couple notes on that. Um, I, I so I think Kevin. I think you said Alex Khan. I think his name was Alec Can. It is Alec Can. I I don't know why, but there's a it's Alex Khan to me, and I cannot break myself of that. Alec Can. Okay. Um, and, and also, you know, you talk about Ray Gaddis coming out of retirement and coming back. You know who else came out of a kind of retirement? Michael Jordan. Ray Gaddis knows. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and I think that worked out pretty well for him. If this leads to Ray Gaddis starting a new religion, um, I'm for it because Cincinnati will be very... Did, didn't, Jonah, didn't Jonah call him the Black Messiah on KLR? Wasn't that the, uh... Judas and the Black Messiah. The Black Messiah. <laughs> <laughs> the, oh the, man! But like your point on the defense, though, like it, it's really hard to number one. Like the defense got way better when everyone's favorite QAnon uh, <laughs> adherent Jeff Cameron showed up on the scene, and I think that if you just watched the games last year, which was tough, admittedly, um, so much of the defensive problems were were born out of the fact the midfield was terrible that they couldn't hold possession and so the defense would do its job they'd stop an attack they'd move the ball to the midfield the midfield would get blown up because no one on the midfield could pass last year and there was no way to advance the ball through the various areas of the field they'd turn it over with a shitty touch and then the defense would be out of position because they were running backwards again like how many goals over the course of the last three years were conceded because a quick transition happened, the midfield couldn't cover, and then all of a sudden it was a breakaway and someone was like walking in uncontested because they'd come from out of nowhere. Like So much of the, the defensive liabilities on this team was just that the midfield sucked. And Moreno helps that a lot because he's actually a defensive mid, I think, and we're not asking people to play out of position this year. That has to help the defense a little bit, I think. To that, to that point, I encourage everybody, and this is not a paid plug, to listen to talking tactics with coach Goff that dropped today. I think it's like 13 minutes. Um, they do a really nice job breaking down Marina's strengths and man, every time, every time they talked about, talked about one of his strengths, it was like listening to Josh Groban enunciate. It was, it was beautiful. <laughs> I, I it was exactly what this team, it's exactly what this team has been missing. You know, somebody who can transition in defense, somebody who can, uh, you know, break up some passes, somebody who can make a couple of tackles. Um, I, I really do think. I, I thought before, just based on looking at looking at his football or FB ref page, but looking at uh, uh, listening to Coach Goff's uh, take on the tape, and I think Nate uh, Gilman looking at his stats. My, my goodness, I, I just wanted to punch Matt Doyle in the face. <laughs> but, I mean, to be fair, I always want to punch Matt Doyle in the face. Like, <laughs> I mean, I guess we 
the FC Cincinnati fan base tries to do that as much virtually as possible. He certainly gets his his engagement numbers when he uh, just starts shit talking Cincinnati. Um, the, the midfield is has largely been the issue, um, but at the end of the day, you know it's the same center backs and it's an unproven goalkeeper. And I'm just you know let's, let's just see how these first few games go before I, I really get uh... on the same center backs on the same center backs point though. It's it's not you know Jeff Cameron is in soccer age like he's you know basically in the nursing home in terms of mileage on the legs, but he did finally have an off season. I mean I think it's underrated the amount of minutes Jeff Cameron played over the course of his time at Queens Park, then hops a flight to CVG, and he's immediately in the lineup the next day because the back line's a dumpster fire. And not a lot of breaks other than his you know enforced ones for traveling to Canada. But giving him a full offseason at least, yeah, I, I hope he rested as opposed to you know marching places or doing things that he shouldn't be doing. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a good point too. Haglin has has moved down the depth chart to our, our fourth, maybe even fifth choice center back, depending on how some of the draft picks develop. Um, all right, let's move a little faster through these next two, at least. Uh, Grayson, give me your player to watch, your player on the hot seat. All right, my player to watch is Yuya Kubo. Um, I really do think he's going to have a great year. I've thought since 2020 that one of the biggest weapons on this team is getting Kubo the ball just outside the box and letting him take a shot. We saw that in the Philly uh, uh, preseason friendly, and I think we'll be seeing a lot more of that this year. Um, I loved during the Philly friendly how often he was just turning forward, right? It's just you saw so much more against Philly how the, the, the team's motion was forward. And I think Kubo is going to be a big part of that, and I think... He's not He's not going to get it, but in my mind, he's already there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he puts up a best 11 season. Ooh. Um, <laughs> now, I, I, the chief. I, I, that, I can see it. That, <laughs> that, that might be going a little far. <laughs> Just a tad, a little far on that one. Now, uh, on the hot seat, um, I think we have Steven. I think it's a put-up or shut-up season for him. Oh, jeez. Uh, Don't put this Steven much. Steven Jimenez. Now, no, but but that that was that was a joke. I'm sorry. Uh, hey, yeah, hey um, watch who we're joking about, okay? Um, but I, I do think uh, Don Baji is a little bit on the hot seat. Um, I think he's going to get a short leash from a lot of uh, contingents of FC Cincinnati fans. Uh, I think if he doesn't score in the first game, you're going to see his work ethic questioned. Um, I I I just think that that fans aren't going to have a lot of patience for for scoring droughts from Baji. So I hope he gets on the I hope he gets on the score sheet early and often. <laughs> I think our, our resident uh musician Das Harks uh would, would agree with that take. Uh Chief, who you got? Player to watch, player on the hot seat. My player to watch is Jeff Cameron. Um I talked about this a little just a second ago. Um but a year off a full off season this year and really for this team to not be dreadful. Like you said just a second ago, uh, Kev, that we're kind of hand-waving over the defense. And all the questions that we're asking about this team are in the midfield and with the attack. And we're, we're kind of treating the defense as being settled. And this team's going absolutely nowhere if it starts leaking goals off the back line. 
And I want to believe that Cameron solved that last year. It looked like he solved that last year. So really, if this team starts getting blown up right down the middle, then nothing else is going to work this year. And we're just going to be a slow march towards another impending doom of a year. So I, I, my eyes are on Cameron and really the, the center backs as a whole because that's been a problem in just about every year other than stretches of last year. My player on the hot seat is Brenner. Um, I've worn the two of you out on text threads and group chats about my thoughts on Brenner. I do not believe he is a good fit for MLS. I simply think that he's very talented. I think that Brenner would play very well on most European teams where you can build around without salary restrictions a guy who is mostly a poacher, but in a league like MLS where your DPs have to be superstars, they have to be, you know, they've got to have the high player rating, they've got to be the the, the, the game-breaking game genie code, you cannot pay big money to a forward that can't create his own shot, that can't play with his back to the goal, and that is as limited in his abilities to score as Brenner is. Um, I want to be proven wrong. I, I genuinely do because I would love to shove it up the ass of everyone that questioned the signing and I would love to go online and and tweet at every single pundit that was that was that, that was writing Brenner off already. But I, I just think he needs to show something this year. And he needs to show that he can work well with Yuya Kubo or that he is going to play off Don Baji and it's going to be a, a good pairing there. But I, I just think he needs to be a, desi- a DP. He needs to score a lot of goals. He needs to be threatening. He needs to occupy space and open things up for other people. And we just didn't see that enough last year. I just, I didn't think, the thing that Brenner did better than anybody else last year was he was great at pressuring goalkeepers into dumb mistakes. And beyond that, and taking penalties, there wasn't a lot, of, a lot to love from Brenner last year. And that has to change this year if this team is going to do anything. So I I was listening to the chief talk about you know what qualities you need to be a good striker in MLS you need to be able to create for yourself uh, you can't be just a poacher and I just was wondering you know if anybody has access to this information I don't know how you would get it who was the number one uh, goal scorer in MLS history. <laughs> I, I will say, but it was my first thought as well. Oh, Chris Wondolowski is your your prototypical fox in the box. You know, Chris Wondolowski's not making $12 million. Like, Chris Wondolowski isn't a designated player. Like, you can have a skill set. I think he was a designated player. He though. was, when? but it, it was only because San Jose was terrible. <laughs> like, That's you right. can make that setup work. And also, San Jose's been awful forever. So it's not like Chris Wondolowski was leading them to MLS Cups or anything like that. Like, That's true. You, you, in order to be successful in this league, that skill set needs so many other things around it to facilitate the scoring that it's just it's tough to build a roster when you need to set it up so that your poacher gets opportunities. I think Brenner would kill it in Europe where you can have an unlimited budget to build players around him and just let him roam freely in the 18 and, and finish off plays. But in this league, you've got to be able to be the guy. Like, you've got to be able to be the guy that, like, we absolutely need a goal in this game. You're our guy. Go get it. And he's like, well, I, I got to wait for somebody else to do something first before I can activate my powers. It's it's 
he's a glue guy in the superhero group. He's not the guy. He's not Superman. He's he's the Hawkman or he's the dude shooting arrows that has no superpowers. That's Brenner. You need an arrow shot at somebody, great, but he ain't going to space to fight the aliens. Like he's waiting for <laughs> Tony Stark to do that. So Chris Wondolowski, okay. Supporter Shield winner in 2005-2012. I love this. MLS MLS Cup winner 2006 and 2007. Do you know who his coach was in 2006 and 2007 at Houston? I'm sure oh, you're looking this up Dom right Kinnear. now. Dom Kinnear. Please. It was Dom Kinnear. Oh, I love it. It was Dom Kinnear. <laughs> also, like 2006 uh, in MLS, there were like six teams in the league. Like, it, I think they were still called the Metro Stars back then. That's ancient history in this league. That barely that's even counts. That's a good counts. point. The, like, 2006. The chief just talked me into a big year from Brenner. <laughs> 2006 like, is like bringing up a pre-war uh, record in the EPL. It's like yeah, it's right. like the it's the dead ball era of MLS. <laughs> like they were they were still playing games at RFK Stadium. Like the fields, they barely mowed the grass. Like the league was barely it was a it was a farmers league back then. We're talking about a modern MLS. Like that doesn't play anymore. Also, you're going to defend Chris. Hold on, you're going to defend Chris Wondolowski, the guy that single-handedly kept the United States from winning that World Cup. I refuse to hear any evidence otherwise. Missed the one of the worst misses in sports history. Like he in any other soccer playing country, he wouldn't have been allowed on the plane to come back to the country after missing that one. Like people actually go missing for missing a <laughs> shot like that in other places. Yeah, but we're talking about MLS. He scored a lot of goals yeah. in MLS. Like. You talk about the games. We're talking. We're talking about MLS. <laughs> I'm trying to talk about soccer. You're here talking about MLS. They are different things. Soccer and MLS are not the same thing, my friend. <laughs> that that has been the downfall of every foreign uh, general manager that has come. I, I know this sport. I know. I know how this works. Um, I will say. I mean, going back to like competent coaching staff, uh, Brenner. Yeah, he needs somebody to to bounce off of to play off of. Uh, it, Stom didn't give him somebody. He was the lone striker up top all season. So give him a uh, a best friend to hang out up top with, be that Lucho, be that Kubo, be that Vasquez, and uh, maybe get a little more production out of him. I'll go quickly with mine. Uh, player on the hot seat, I'll actually throw two on there, but the description could be exactly the same. Barial and Atanga. Uh, guys, you better learn how to play central midfield because if you can't, you're not long for this team and probably not long for this league. Um, Atanga is very highly regarded out of Europe. I'm sure he'll find a home somewhere in Northern Europe. Uh, Barial, this could be a real bummer for the team and the player if he ends up going back to Argentina for very very cheap just freeing up the uh, the roster spot um i mean this is what happened in philadelphia when they moved to the 442 diamond system they pretty well sold within that first 12 18 months every winger they had on the roster so <laughs> Bariel and atanga you better figure it out quick um and my player to watch it's going to be lucho acosta guys this is this is the star player. Give me competent players running forward in the attack. Give me some some attacking movement on the back line instead of guys just standing next to central uh, central defenders. And Lucha should be racking up goals and assists this year. Uh, you put Dombaji, you put Kubo, you put Brenner up top. 
uh, making some moves. Acosta was already statistically one of the best MLS 10s last year. He just had a bunch of incompetent goal scorers in front of him. Uh they just turned that around a little bit, a little, little game plan, and try to get some guys some open shots. And Lucho ought to have an amazing, amazing year. The thing with Lucho is you could tell last year that he was completely mentally checked out of the game plan that he was being asked to perform. Like, I mean, I, I don't like to accuse him of, of dogging it or anything like that because I still think he gave a good effort. But you could tell he was visibly frustrated with literally every aspect of his job last year. And there were multiple times where you could see him doing the mental calculus in his head and fuck it, I'm going to try to dribble around all four of these guys came out as the best option rather than pass to someone that's going to lose the ball or look to try and pass forward to uh, Brenner who wasn't running into space or no one that was up there to support him. So the hope that I have is that with some better tactics that's possibly maximizing the skill sets of players that you'll see a Lucho that wants to work more and do more for the team versus feeling like he has to do it all himself. I'm so tired of seeing Lucho get the ball in our half or at midfield, and the plan to get forward is let's hope he can beat four guys and then you know maybe get on a break or maybe have to beat four more guys at the box. Um, I think having the, the, the four-person midfield, allowing uh, you know some shuttlers on the side to connect the ball from the back line of the defensive midfielder to Lucho at the 10 and to the forward should do a lot to, to improve his production next year, which it was already very good last year. Well, the tie into to Grayson's favorite player, I think the biggest thing that will help Lucho this year is Kubo being forward because Kubo is the exact kind of guy that I, it feels intuitively like would work well with Lucho where Kubo wants to make darting runs. He wants to get behind people. He wants to get into space. And Lucho's looking for that player. He's looking for that person to offload the ball forward to. And that was just never there last year. There was never that person that he felt confident in that he could distribute the ball to. And that's when Lucho is at his best is when it's quick, give and go, distribute, move on, move up the field. And instead, last year, it was he was YOLO ball the entire year because he had no support at any point during the year because the game plan was trash. Oh, exactly. And again, to Grayson's point, like if we have a competent defensive midfielder who can win the ball further up the field, it doesn't require Lucho coming back so far to get the ball. The ball's already starting. The attack's already starting at midfield instead of constantly starting on the back line or constantly starting on a long ball. Um, yeah, I've, I'm hyped for Lucho's season. Like he's shown he can do it. He's shown he can do it here in Cincinnati. Um, competent game plan around him ought, ought to unlock him. Um, and yeah, he's also he's also an asshole. Like I love yes. that. Like this team just needs a few more people like that. Just some people that are horses' asses out on the field that piss people off. Where you can go on afterwards and see fans being mad online that he was diving. Like, I love that. Like, give me a little bit of that going our way. It's frustrating to see the same people who dog on Lucho are the same people who loved Ledesma. Like, Ledesma was the king of conca-calfing other teams and just rolling around, flopping, getting in guys' faces, really fucking with their vibe on the field. Like, he was the master at that. And, yeah, I think Lucho with a little motivation behind him and, and a, a competent team, 
I would love to see more of that. That would just be incredible. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's do one quick whip around. We need some hot takes. We need some bold predictions, and I'm gonna I'm gonna change it up here a little bit. Chief, what's your bold take? What's your bold prediction for this season? I don't know how bold this is, but my big prediction for this year is that by the end of the year, there will be an academy player seeing regular minutes for FC Cincinnati this year. Um, we've been told, and I don't know who the hell knows this because they play all these games behind closed doors, and as best I can tell, they don't let people watch, but we've been told repeatedly that we have one of the best youth teams in all of MLS. Uh, there were a couple kids getting runs with the first teamers in preseason, and if there's one thing that everybody knows about the Philly system and the Philly setup is that they are aggressive at pushing forward youth talent to supplement their main roster. So my bold prediction is, I don't know who it is because I couldn't pick any of these kids out of a lineup, but there will be one kid, one youth player who will be seeing regular minutes um, by the end of the year. And hopefully that's a good thing as opposed to we are so terrible that we're just playing all the kids. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for the academy to finally be producing results. Um, it did feel like, and, and perhaps completely unfairly, uh, Ordonia's last year was almost more of a PR thing than it was a, a real, you know, th- thought that he was going to be a, a first team contributor, or at least there was some disconnect between Sunderland, Nykamp, and Stom as to whether or not that kid should have been a regular first teamer and then of course Sunderland was a uh, an emergency move we were just out of goalkeepers at the end of uh, the 2020 season um so yeah I'm excited maybe somebody on the staff was just a really big fan of the sword and the stone watch that just the other day holds up I really like that movie it's really good uh Grace like the horny squirrel <laughs> low-key most tragic figure in animation history the squirrel. I felt so bad Man, I felt so bad for that squirrel. The, you know, Merlin is so dismissive of that squirrel and just finds the whole situation hilarious. And I just found it so heartless. Right. And also, like, Merlin is also busy attempting to basically avoid being raped by another squirrel that's like an older squirrel, I think, if I remember the scene correctly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. A lot, go- lot going certainly on a, in that movie. Certainly a heavier squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? You know what? Modern films are missing hijinks. You don't get a lot of hijinks in Encanto. You know that's, that's some good stuff right there. <laughs> uh, I miss, I know, Grayson, I miss having got... a character. I miss having a character where the entire joke is that they're fat. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like there was one of those in every Disney movie made before, like 1965. <laughs> yeah, they don't. They don't do that anymore. I wonder why. <laughs> I mean, like, wasn't that like Monterey Jack's deal in the Rescue Rangers? Is he was just a fat fuck that liked cheese? Like, you can't <laughs> yeah, make that the, joke anymore. He wore like the same size shirt as Chip and Dale. <laughs> <laughs> Do you oh, see they're bringing man. that show back? They're bringing Rescue Rangers back, except like it's like this postmodern thing now where they're all famous for being the Rescue Rangers, and like one of them got like upgraded to 3D, like Pixar animation from Cell Animation. <laughs> Because, of course, there's it. no new ideas anymore. We're just selling nostalgia to people at four ninety nine a month. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. Uh, Grayson, give me, a, uh, give me a bold prediction here. Right, my bold prediction is playoffs, baby. Oh, I love it. All right. So we got, <laughs> we got So I got, a whole, I got a whole list here, right? Noonan. Let's fucking think, go, baby. 
I think I think Noonan's better MLS manager than than Yap Stam. Um, I think we're going to see a much improved defense because we're going to have actual right backs. We got two of them now versus zero last year. Um, I think you're going to see benefits from Cameron having an off season from. Cameron Viasia and Blackett having the opportunity to train together in preseason. Uh, Blackett and Viasia having spent, you know, some time in MLS already getting used to the league. Um, we actually have at least one defensive midfielder, maybe more, maybe more this year. Um, I think you're going to see a breakout year from Brenner. Uh, I buy wholeheartedly into the Goss theorem because it supports my uh, point. Uh, for da- as people don't know, uh, uh, on Extra Time Radio, uh, David Goss has a has a theory that foreign signings need a year to kind of season in MLS before they break out. And it has has been pointed out, Brenner had more goals this past season than Tati Castellanos had the season before. I don't want to I don't want anybody to mention how many games each of them played those respective seasons, but um. I think we're going to see Lucho getting the ball in more forward positions because of Noonan's tactics, because of Kubo playing in a more forward position. I think Kubo having more of an attacking role is going to be a big point. And I think playing two forwards is going to lead to a lot more goals. Uh, so I do think this is a playoff team. And I also think that Nick Mark- Nick Markinich starts game one. Oh, oh <laughs> so if you're, slipped in maybe so if you're, the hotter feeling- take there. If you're feeling playoffs, are you willing to drive to the great state of Indiana, home of former Vice President Mike Pence, home of the Indy 500, home of uh, Willie Farkles in Shelbyville, where the Yelp review of the bar actually has a bar fight in the header image, um, and place $50 on FCC to win MLS Cup at plus 16000 right now on the FanDuel app? Can I bet on playoffs? Uh, no, it's MLS. They only take the most basic of wagers for this league. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, if I find the time on Saturday, I will drive to Indiana. And if I do, I will screenshot it and put it on Twitter that I put 50 bucks on FC Cincinnati to win MLS Cup this year. God, I love it. Oh, I love it. Um, What's your big prediction, Kay? Uh, Brenner finishes top five golden boot race. I don't know if it's that hot or, or if that's a screaming hot take. I, I can't really gauge it. I, I guess it depends on who you talk to. But, you know, I think I think Brenner's going to be in the thick of the golden boot race all year. If Lucho has a good season, he's having a good season because Brenner's having an amazing season. Um, I don't see a world where Brenner gets benched for Baji and Vasquez to be the, the two main strikers up top. Um, and I believe Brenner has the uh, has the wherewithal, has the talent to to get there. I think a, a better coaching staff is going to get more out of him. And hey, you know what? They they hire a Portuguese interpreter, and I mean, who knows what this guy's got? You know, cooking. Maybe he's got all sorts of game plans and and thoughts and opinions on things. And uh, I don't know. It'd be nice if he could communicate with his teammates. So that I would love to see that. I've never wanted a story to be false more than the Brenner was bad because he didn't understand what anyone was saying to him. That, like, to him, everyone talking was like a Peanuts teacher, and he just heard wah, wah, wah. And, like, no one realized this, that, like, not a single teammate, not a trainer, not a coach, (laughs) 
that like an entire staff full of people paid to work in the soccer field didn't notice the guy making $12 million or that was the $12 million transfer couldn't understand a word coming out of anyone's mouth. Like if that story is true, then just fucking contract the franchise and let's, <laughs> let's be done with this. Like bring the saints back. Fuck this. <laughs> I, the story I've heard, and I don't know how true it is, is that they had somebody on staff who could speak Portuguese, uh, but he was a college student. And towards the end of the year, he went back to college. I don't know uh, exactly when that would have been. Uh, but also, uh, Lucho played in Brazil for a good amount of time, and I believe speaks uh, Portuguese, or is at least halfway competent at, at Portuguese. So uh, there's your missing link, I think. <laughs> So, Kevin, I think you've misgendered Brenner's translator. Oh, so, uh, excuse me. Yeah, I mean, like, he, he found the dressing room, okay? How bad could it be? Well, as we discussed earlier, MLS and soccer are two different sports, so maybe the poor guy was really lost out there. I mean, it was an all-time great moment on Reddit when, like, we, I think it was the same guy that posted. He, could t- he was a professional body language expert. And he could tell that the body language on the team was bad. And then his next post was, I also moonlight in business where we use interpreters. And I can tell he doesn't understand what's going on. And I'm just like, God, is really this guy's going to be right? No. <laughs> Shit. Maybe he is. Uh, or, you know, maybe Stom's uh, directions were just absolutely incomprehensible to anybody. And it didn't matter what language you spoke or, or thought you could speak. Uh, that just that wasn't going to pan out for you. Um, all right, I'll do uh, one last take or, or a thought on the season. Uh, gentlemen, do we do we have any final thoughts closing out our, our season preview here? Is there anything we've missed that needs to be addressed? Uh, yeah, I just want to say I don't want to see anybody on, on Twitter or really anywhere um, correcting somebody when they call the team FC. Um, yes. <laughs> it, if anybody's ever watched the show Sons of Anarchy, they don't call the club the Redwood Charter. I mean, they, they do sometimes, but they don't call it the Sons of Anarchy Motorcycle Club. They call it the MC. It signals that you're in a group and you're talking to other people that are inside your group. When we call it FC, it is a signal that we are speaking to people who we consider one of us. And I think it breaks solidarity when you try to correct people and say, oh, the team is fc cincinnati i mean do you correct people when they call the country america when you know there's other countries in north and south america you probably don't um so let's i i I would just like to see people you know chill out a little bit let's have a little fun the team is called fc uh and i think that's great all right so you want to take here's a take um, as soon as they kicked the ball off in Austin this year to start the season, can we just get a moratorium on fucking spoon jokes? Like, I get it. Like, we all want to embrace the fact that this team is dog shit and has been terrible, and we've all suffered this collective trauma together while also suffering the collective trauma of a global pandemic, and God knows what else has happened in everybody's lives. But just can we just Marvel's cool it? the Eternals. Yeah. Chrono Trigger the movie. Um, can we just like put a moratorium for uh, until we're in contention for the spoon again at the end of the year? Can we just stop talking about the fucking spoon. Like it's it's borderline funny at best, and it's reached a point I think where 
it's getting a little awkward how much we've embraced that we're bad. Like, l- let's let's pretend we're good for a little bit and let's live the lie for a little bit and let, let's cool it on dogging on ourselves for at least the first part of the year. Please, everybody. Or be more creative with shitting on the team as opposed to the wooden spoon. It's 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 played. I I could not agree more with both of your guys' final thoughts here. So I'll just make sure I throw out this one that uh, the Bailey needs some new chance. Um, we really need to focus on player chance and I think the drums should be moved into a different position, uh, definitely lower. <laughs> And oh, you uh, keep you keep this take up. You're going to summon him. He's going to appear. <laughs> he's he's going to appear in this recording heart. session. This is like saying Candyman into the mirror three times, man. You know what you're doing here. He's going to be on the pod <laughs> next week. I don't think they should use megaphones on the capo stands. You know, I've got you know, we should remake the Bailey completely. So I, that's where I'm at with this one. Let's 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 do better this season. Right. Be best. So. <laughs> Oh man! Well, that'll wrap us up for our uh, our preview, and we'll we'll hit it a little potpourri here. wrap up uh i said potpourri before we're gonna we're gonna borrow a little from from klr's terminology and you know what i i finally got to talk for longer than 60 seconds here so jonah why don't you give us a klr minute on this one take it away jonah this is your chance squeeze it in one minute here you go a minute all to myself finally Finally. i've been muzzled for too long and honestly it's time people hear my real thoughts you guys know FCC is signing Junior Moreno from DC United. And a short Twitter thread from Powerball Matt Doyle had me remembering that only FC fans can shit on the FC. You know, it'll take a lot for me to believe that any non-Cincinnatian watched a sizable chunk of our league wars team last season. So when a shiny dome like Doyle says Harris is as good an option as Junior Moreno for our defensive midfield, you know they're full you know of they're shit. Full Moreno's obviously not the golden key for FCC, but to pretend he's not a much-needed addition is buffoonery. Big-brained Doyle ignored the stats to claim Moreno lost the starting role last season, but ignored the fact Harris never even had the same role for us. He also claimed we should have taken a flyer on someone younger and cheaper, so he could have made fun of us for a whole different reason as well. Listen, folks, we might scrape the bottom of the table yet again, but babyhead Matty Doidoy will still be a fool for this one. Pundits out. Midfielders in. God, beautiful. I... <sighs> you know, he delivers is... every time. The man is just a... He's a savant. Did you see he was on the news? I'm just I'm I I just weep for the number of orders for the KLR scarf that probably went missing in the mail during these last couple of weeks. This we really should get someone someone at the higher level looking at this from the federal government. Do you think maybe he ordered a, a pride scarf and it, it hasn't arrived yet? God, that would break my heart. How are you gonna consolidate your student loans if you don't get mail? <laughs> I mean, they've been trying to reach him for days about his car's extended warranty. It's it's been a while since I've received a physical piece of mail I've actually cared about, so I don't I don't know how much is being lost there. Um, I mean, coming up in just a couple of days, guys, we've got Austin 
FC hosting the FC. What are our predictions? What are our thoughts? What do we think is going to happen this weekend? MLS season starts. We're kicking off. Chief, what, what's going to happen in this one? I'm feeling weirdly optimistic about this game. And I base that on nothing because I don't think I watched a minute of Austin play last year. <laughs> um, look, rooting for FC Cincinnati, I, I don't have a lot of time in my life for more bad soccer. And from what I could tell, Austin was pretty bad soccer objectively last year. So I'm feeling, like I said, weirdly optimistic. Vegas has us as a dog in this game. I think we're going off at plus 300 and I would bet us to win this game. I think we win this game 2-1, to 2-0. I don't know. I don't know why I think that. I just, I mean, if you're not predicting your team to win the first game of the season, then God, it only gets worse from there. You may as well have some blind optimism before they actually kick off, right? I've said it before. I've said it again. If you can't be optimistic now, when can you be? Probably. Like I've never, I've never, good. I've gone to Reds opening day before, and I don't think I've ever walked into opening day saying, "Oh, we're going to get lit today." Like, no, it's <laughs> opening day. Of course, we're going to win. That's. I mean, I don't care. I mean, yeah, sure, it's Jimmy Haynes pitching with like a career 13 ERA, but we're going to win this game. We got this. We got Ken Griffey Jr. What could possibly go wrong? Every single opening day, you think wire to wire, right? Is that yeah. just me? Just no. <laughs> Print the playoff tickets. No, I'm 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 feeling good. I I would bet the I would bet FCC to win this game. There you go, Grayson. What do you got? What, what's going to happen in this one? Well, I got to say, I agree. Austin is bad. The media is telling us that Austin is better this year, that they've made some smart signings. Don't believe them. The media also says that President Brandon won the election. I go three to one FC Cincinnati. God, I love it. I love the optimism here. I'm going to say we get a draw, but it's going to be a multi-goal draw. I'm thinking 2-2, two, 3-3, two, three, three, something like that. I think it's going to be a good game. Austin's going to be hyped. They got a good crowd. They got a good environment there. It's got to kill Columbus fans to see how well Austin's doing in hashtag business metrics um, and fan engagement and general interest in the city. But uh, yeah, I, th- I, think, I think we get out of here with a, a multi-goal draw on this one, so... And I'll take it. Fuck it. Anything other than a loss. <laughs> Not too bad. Well, guys, uh, that'll wrap us up. For Hey, give yourselves a big, big round of applause. We've just wrapped the first postcast on this one. Any final thoughts? Oh, I'm not. A, I'm, not a, I'm not applauding anything until I hear what the audio sounds like after we <laughs> listen to it again. This could be I, unlistenable. Uh, I'm not going to applaud anything. I know for a fact that one of my AirPods died halfway through this, and that threw off my record all uh, option there. So there's definitely going to need you guys to send me some recording because there's a good three-minute chunk somewhere in there that is completely missing. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, we'll it's my sort Stephen it out. <laughs> I mean, I'm not planning on editing this to the level that Jonah does, so I mean, <laughs> a lot of this is going to stick in. But um, no, I hope people like the the work in progress here. We're we're going to refine it and tool it, and we'll bring new voices in as we go along. Um, try to do some interviews and things like that. But uh, gentlemen, thank you for coming along. And I, hey, props to me. I don't think I dropped a real name. I don't think any of us dropped a real name this whole time. Well done, everybody. Uh, beautiful. All right. You're the best, K-Dub. Catch you guys next time.